Amen. Amen. But do it humbly. <laughs> oh, we've got communion today, too. Huh, okay. Well, we're going to fit a lot in in a very short time here because I, I don't, um, don't want to just speak. I've got a definite message to bring uh, that the Lord gave me this last week. But I also want to make sure that, that um, we give a little report on, on our trip. And I don't know if, if, if – have you guys given any report? A little bit. Okay. And you haven't at all? So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to just start out by giving a brief overview of what we did, and then I'm going to call the, the real people up that were, that were really the actors in this. Um, we were invited to um, continue a relationship that we have in Tanzania with a foundation named WAPO Foundation, which stands for something, but don't worry about that. Um, and... and uh, We've, we've actually visited them twice before that and worked with them over there. And they have this grand vision called Vision 2028 in which they are raising up um, a million youth. And by youth, they're talking anyone from 15 to 35 years of age. A million youth to be equipped in finances, in leadership, and in morality with the idea that when, when you have those three pieces covered, that you know how you can sustain yourself, you know how to communicate that, and you, you are a moral, righteous person, that those million people will be moving into the leadership positions of the whole country and, and literally transforming the country. So um, they're doing all kinds of things toward that. We're, we're blessed to be able to be partners with them, to come alongside what they're doing, to train people um, and encourage people, etc. So as a result of that, in, I don't know what day we actually, when we actually went, but we, we went with a team of super people from here. And um, what I'd like you to do is just come up and just share one of your, one of your experiences there that um, has to do with relationship building. And I'm, I'm putting you on the spot with that because that's what I'm going to preach about as well. And it's great that Andrew's here because um, the, the preaching is also about evangelism. So <laughs> so who wants to start? Okay, Nick. Does everybody know this guy? Yeah. All right. So um, one thing that came up that was, uh, I guess, just really cool and very unique in comparison to what we have here is that um, one of the guys that we worked with, he's kind of in charge of Joachim in charge of like the youth, and I guess you could say he's our equivalent of a youth minister. Um, and right away, like right off the bat, he was very intentional about building a relationship with us. And um, even now, there's this thing called WhatsApp, and we message him back and forth. He's like, "I miss you so much. You people are are wonderful. You're, I mean, the the intentionality behind the relationship, and even though we're thousands of miles away, he's." You know, we check in with him. He checks in with us. He gives us updates. There's just this back and forth that's been really, you know, I, I didn't honestly didn't think that that would happen. So, thank you. Thank you. Uh, pardon? You got a 50-acre farm. Really? Yeah. Oh wow, <coughs> that's cool. And does everybody know Molly? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Molly. Hi. She, she 
she held up she held up the, the Irish side of the <laughs> right <laughs> yes <laughs> um, so I'll show two things quick um, one thing was like we went into this trip with nothing planned we had no idea what we'd be doing and then we as soon as we got there they're like we're hosting a conference in two days. You're the speakers. <laughs> so it was just really cool to get to share about like, like business and um, how to start a business. That's what I shared about. Nick and Tabitha talked about marriage, um, which was a huge blessing. A lot of people have like marriages on their hearts and everything. And then Bob shared a lot of messages. Um, I forgot exactly what you shared about, but you can say more. <laughs> yeah, identity. That's right. No, it was identity and how to like overcome the obstacles of starting a business in Africa that kind of thing. Um, and so it was just a really unique experience, and um, they're just an incredible ministry. Like, their radio station reach, reaches, like, two and a half million people. We got to go on that twice. Just, like, things that are just mind-blowing. It's just so huge. It's just cool. Um, but the relationship I want to share about is um, is Chilwa, um, who we didn't really know who she was when we got there, but Bob and Linda told us a lot about her. And we got there, and she's pretty much like their sister. Like, she feels about, like, Bob and Linda's sister, and she hosts them every time that that they go, and by the end of seven days, I kind of felt like she's like my second mom, almost, like, like if there's something that needs to be taken care of, Cho has already done it for us, like, we haven't even needed to think about it before she's taken care of it, so it's just, like, incredible, and she is just the most positive person, like, just even having her on Facebook now, it's just, like, it's everything good that she posts, and it's just cool, so she's a blessing, and Bob and Linda are, like, awesome to travel with. And Bob has, like, so many messages prepared. He can just, like, share a lot all day for, like, all these huge African congregations. It's just cool. So it was a huge blessing to travel with you guys, and that's all. Thank you. It's kind of funny that she said that, that we had no plans, and we really didn't. And that's the way um, things often are in the majority world. By the way, that's the new up-and-coming phrase for instead of developing nature, nations, it's the, the majority world. Um, <clears throat> the majority world. When you think about it, we're the minority. So at any rate, um, with the, yeah, uh, uh, it, was, it was absolutely incredible that, that we didn't have any plans, and plans unfolded right in front of us as we went. And um, just that, so that was an amazing thing. Tabitha, you don't know anything about plans unfolding, do you? So one thing that really, um, <laughs> sorry, marital support, woohoo. <laughs> one thing that really impacted me is the way that people in Tanzania really bond with you so quickly. And it's true, we're, you know, we're Mazungu, we're a white person, so we are a little more exciting to be friends with. But it was incredible how you could be friends with someone you couldn't even speak the language with. Where, like, just simple interactions, hand gestures, eye contact, memorizing one word that you could say to each other. Those are, that's a really yeah. exciting moment where you can say one word. Yeah. One of the um, house family members of Chilla's house knew the word for high five. And it was pretty exciting for him to come up to us and say high five. We're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so you're able to um, reach across like things that most people wouldn't be able to reach across, like language barriers. And I still feel like I'm friends with them, even though I have no idea what they're saying, <laughs> you know? So it's just crazy how the Lord can work. 
and the matriarch of our trip. Well, this was a surprise to me, being with this team of um, millennials. And um, <laughs> my relationship wasn't between us as much as it was between God changing me and causing me to examine all of my natural judgments and natural ways and really look at which ones I want to keep and what needs to be gotten rid of. And so it was quite a challenging trip and a great pleasure because while our relationship to people is very important to us, the relationship between God and us is also extremely important. And the relationship with us and others and the relationship between us and the land. And we got to work in all four. Now, you know, I will just say that this is the first this is the first time in many, 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 many years that we've taken a team anywhere, <coughs> and um, it it was fantastic. I would go with these three anywhere. Um, they were they were absolutely super to be with, and and the way that they broke down barriers between people is it's like Tabitha was was saying they they would speak to anyone. They would walk right up to them. They would they would be instant friends with them, and build relationships. Uh, it was just uh, that was just amazing to me. Um, I'm I'm much slower at that. Even though I'm an outgoing person, it's 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 much shallower for me. Where it was, it, you could tell there was a depth from them, and that was cool. And that's really what the Lord wanted me to talk about with with you this morning was was the ministry of reconciliation. It has to do with relationships. And um, I'll I'll keep it keep it within the time frame here so that we've got got time. But um, I want to share the uh, the scripture. The main scripture that I'll be using is the next one that's up here. It starts out uh, actually. Hmm. Yeah, let's go with that. It it actually starts out. Uh, just before this is the, is the verse that everybody knows, and that's therefore, if any was in, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And then this starts and says, now all these things, all these new things, you can't you can't read scripture in in bits and pieces. You have to you have to see the flow. So he says. All old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things, all these new things, are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ. That is the, reconcil- that is the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you, as ambassadors, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who know no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, most of us understand this ministry of reconciliation through Paul's ambassador statement there. He goes on to say, and I think the next slide is highlighted, goes on to say that, that we are ambassadors for Christ. And so since that's in that whole thing of reconciliation, we think, okay, that's what being a reconciler is about. That's what the ministry of reconcil- reconciliation is about. It's, it's the whole idea of ambassadors representing a country and acting as protectors for, for their fellow citizens in foreign places. We always see these movies about what the ambassadors are able to do. And maybe if some of you have traveled and you've needed ambassador help, and you can go there and they act as protectors. They, they rescue us from the consequences of crime and disasters and other mishaps. And we see that as the very process of evangelism. It's bringing people back into their right relationship with the Father so that they can escape the consequences of sin, the consequences of death, and return to their rightful country, the kingdom, in, in this case, um, and, and they're, they're, they become part of that family again, part of the kingdom. And this is a right and, and proper interpretation of reconciliation. So if you've never really thought about reconciliation before, this is a, this is a cool way to think about it. Paul points out that it's this, that we are ambassadors. And so you kind of think about what ambassadors do and you, and you get a grasp. But I maintain that it's also a very limited and even misleading view of reconciliation. And holding this view, this narrow view, puts our effectiveness as ambassadors in the world at risk. An ambassador who operates only on this level only with a view towards rescuing individual citizens, misses the much bigger strategic plans of the country, or in our case, the kingdom. So if a U.S. ambassador, for example, were to act in just this capacity, he or she would probably be replaced. And I think God is wanting us to be better ambassadors, to better understand our role in ambassadorship. I don't know if that's really a word. Um, This ministry of reconciliation so that we can better participate in the ministry of Christ and the great commission that he's given us. So I want to share just a little bit more about reconciliation. You see, God himself gave us this ministry of reconciliation. It says right in there, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the word of reconciliation. I'm, I'm not sure that there's any place in the Bible where it specifically says that a, a specific ministry was given to us by God. It talks about different kinds of ministry, certainly. But this is kind of interesting. It's a, it doesn't mean that there's nothing else there. It's just, just kind of interesting that this is highlighted that he gave us this ministry. And if you look all the way back at even Genesis 126 and 128, 
he gave us this ministry. He created us, and he said, this is what you're to do. You're supposed to go in the world and represent me. You're supposed to spread the good news of what this is about. You're to, you're to take dominion over the world. All that I've created over every living thing and over the earth and the stars. In the New Testament, the word for world that's most often used is cosmos. And, and you, all, you all know what cosmos means. It takes in the entire universe. It takes in its inhabitants and, and the, the political and social and, and economic systems that are within the world. It's, it's everything. The cosmos is everything. So why did God give us this reconciliation ministry? Why would the earth, nature, our bodies, need someone to dominate it? I mean, God created them, and he said they were good. Matter of fact, he ended up saying this is very good. So why does, why does he need us to dominate the earth? Well, we usually answer that because we think that he knew that man would mess up and, <laughs> and, and, and get those things that were very good that we'd, that we'd spoil them, that we'd rebel. But you know, man didn't break the world. We always look at the fall as the beginning of evil. It wasn't. Rebellion was in the scene before we came along. How else would this Satan come along and, and try to turn man to the rebellion that he had already been part of? And that's not to say that we aren't to blame. We are. We took part in it. But it's, it, it's not just by ourselves that this evil took place. And this was a real surprise to me when somebody pointed this out. I, I, I hadn't ever thought of that. Evil and rebellion had already entered the stage apart from our fall. Satan and a third of the angels, which nobody knows exactly how many, but there's hosts and hosts of angels, a third of the angels had already challenged God's authority and failed. So God wasn't just focused on our failure when he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God gave us dominion because he wanted us to partner with him and his son and his Holy Spirit in continually recon reconciling all that he had made with himself. So God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what is that? Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So what is this ministry? What is this word of reconciliation? Well, what was Christ's ministry? What was it that he was supposed to do? The spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said. He described his own ministry. Because he, God, my father, anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was describing his ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. 
He was actually reading, I think you all know this, he was reading from Isaiah 61, <coughs> which was referring to the year of Jubilee. And he was prophesying the messianic age that he was beginning with his own birth and would, would continue through his death and resurrection till the very end of the ages, in which we would all be freed from sin and death and the consequences of those. He was describing the ministry of reconciliation. The following verses in Isaiah talk about comforting all who mourn, planting righteousness, rebuilding ruins, raising up the devastations, repairing the ruined cities, and the desolations of generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. Reconciliation has to do with justice. And Christ said, this is why I was sent. I was sent to do all these things. And Jesus said, I'm going to I'm going to do this, and I'm going to appoint all of you, all of us, to do it with me and give all of us the authority and all of us the power to do it with me. How did he accomplish his work? Well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave himself up. That's how he accomplished his work. He literally gave his life. That is the crux That's at the very kernel of of the whole salvation story, the whole kingdom story, that Christ gave himself up. And he himself said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Not those who were lost, although (laughs) that's part of that. But remember we talked about the cosmos. This whole setup has been for everything, all of God's creation and everything in it. So simply put, he gave his life for that of the world and everything in it. That's what the word reconciliation kind of means. It's from a Greek word, and I don't know if I'll pronounce this. You can correct me. Katalasso. Katalasso, am I saying that right? Close, okay. (laughs) The word for reconciliation that they use in the Bible is katalasso, and it means to change to exchange as coins for another of equivalent value, to reconcile those who are at variance, to make an exchange. Isn't the entire Bible about the exchange? Isn't the entire history of the, of the world about Christ's exchange? It's reconciliation. Jesus exchanged his life for those of us, every one of us, under the wages of sin, that is death. He returned us to our original relationship with the Father. One of favor to the children and to their father. You just heard Paul use that, that uh, benediction, that you may have his favor. And he returned all of creation to its original relationship with the Father. One marked by shalom and all that that entails. And, you know, that's a big word. We could go into that alone. But that word shalom means much much more than just peace. It's harmony. So we're returned to all the harmony, the shalom, the peace with his plans and purposes, what he intended for us from the very beginning. 
that word reconciliation carries that meaning. It means to be returned to favor with, to be returned to unity, to return to one's favor. So what does it mean to exchange oneself then? If that's what Jesus did, and he said that's his ministry, and we are given that ministry of reconciliation, what does that mean? Well, Isaiah 58 gives us an example, an illustration. Isaiah 58 says, Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways. And I'm skipping a few verses around in here. But as a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. And they ask me, God says, for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Is this not the fast I have chosen? To loosen the bonds of of, of wickedness to undo the bands of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him? Is it not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Reconciliation coincides with another term that is gaining popularity in the church and that's poverty alleviation. It's defined by Corbett and Fickert in When Helping Hurts. Um, That's a great book, by the way, When Helping Hurts, How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor and Yourself. Great book, um, a super read. Anybody who ever plans to go on a mission trip should read it. Any church who ever plans to send people should read it. Um, They say poverty alleviation is the ministry of reconciliation. They come right out, and that's the way they define it. It's moving people closer to glorifying God by living in right relationship with God, with self, with others, and with the rest of creation. Notice it's all in there. The cosmos. It's us, it's God, it's others, and it's the rest of creation. They go on to say poverty alleviation occurs when the power of Christ's resurrection reconciles our key relationships through the transformation of both individual lives and local, national, and international systems. When we go on these trips, Linda and I go on, and our team, we are, we are definitely involved not only in individual evangelism, and we are, but with systems and helping people build right relationships with their world, with their land, Linda talked about, with the political systems, with the economic systems. This is the ministry of reconciliation. One more Actually, one of two more quotes I've got from them. Material poverty alleviation, the money part, physical money, is working to reconcile the four foundational relationships, God, self, others, and the whole world, to reconcile those four foundational relationships so that people can fulfill their callings of glorifying God by working and supporting themselves and their families in the fruit of that work. amazing. That's what we do. That's what you do every day when you get up and go to work. When you get up and go to school, that's what you're doing. You're 
exercising this ministry of reconciliation. You're reconciling relationships. You're building those relationships with people so that people can recognize their calling of glorifying God. That's what evangelism really is. It's, the, it's declaring the good news, but it's declaring all the good news, the entire good news. Last, the last quote from them that I want to share with you, the goal is to see people restored to being what God created them to be. People who understand that they are created in the image of God with gifts and abilities and capacity to make decisions and to affect change in the world around them, in their sphere of influence. And people who steward their lives and communities and resources and relationships in order to bring glory to God. That's the ministry of reconciliation. The kingdom gospel and the personal gospel cannot be proclaimed apart from each other. It's all four foundational relationships, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, and your relationship with creation. And if you look, and I, I've preached on this before, so this is not going to be new to some of you, but if you look at um, Luke 10, we see Jesus' own instructions in Luke 10 on evangelism. It's the only place where we see instructions on evangelism, by the way, and, and it's Jesus' own words where he sends the 70 out into the field, right? And, and he makes sure, you, know, you understand that that's us that he's sending out into the fields, right? Because he said, he said, pray that the Lord of the marketplace would send workers into the field. And then what did he do? He, kne- he kneeled down and he said, Lord, please send workers. He didn't do that. His next words were, go. Now you, go. And he sent us out with four instructions. And the four instructions match perfectly this reconciliation ministry of relationship building. First, relationship building with self. He sent them out to start speaking blessings into people. The other church that we go into has been challenging all of us in the church this whole summer to be speaking relationships into people. uh, Speaking, excuse me, speaking blessings into people. You know, anytime you stop at the gas station, cross on the street and you see somebody, to speak a blessing into somebody. And and, and they're encouraging us, you know, not to use not to use churchy blessings. Oh, Jesus bless you, brother. You know, but to say, wow, hope you're having a great day. You know, I noticed, I noticed how, you were, how you were holding your kid, and he, he, must really, he must really realize what a great dad he's got. Blessings that are real. Building people up because that affirms their self-worth. Jesus knew that people had to see something of their own identity he had to be, they have to begin seeing themselves as God sees them, somebody worthwhile, somebody who is the apple of his eye, someone who is truly loved and worthy of love. So Jesus said, go out and speak blessings to people. And the next thing he said was, stay there, eat with them, offer whatever hospitality they can give you. Enter into long-term relationships based on trust and familiarity and true care. This is relationship building with others. So relationship building in, the, in themselves, relationship building with others. 
um, I heard you say that I heard you say that Andrew, Andrew is going to talk about relational evangelism. That's at the key of it. You know, the, the old style of evangelism that we saw in some of the old movies where you'd walk up and say, Brother, are you a sinner? <laughs> Repent. You know, or you're going to go to hell. Gosh, it's pretty harsh. And you know what? If there's no relationship there, they're not going to want to listen to me anyway. They're going to shrug it off and say, so who are you? Why would I listen to you? What, why do I care what you think of me anyway? It's this relationship with others. And then Jesus said, heal them, meet their needs. This is, this is beginning to build a relationship with the rest of creation. Meet their needs, showing them the authority, the dominion that they have over their own nature. Just as you just heard Paul praying for Bob just right now. <laughs> he says, we're not accepting this. We're going to stand by as a, as a body, as a family of Bob's, and accept this crud. This, this, this disease is a trespasser. It doesn't belong there. It has no authority in his body. And we're going to stand up as a, as, as a body of Christ, as a family. We're going to say, uh-uh, no way. You're taking my brother Bob and doing this to him. Teaching people that. Helping them see what the sources, their sources of food, their, their wealth, their families, their communities are things that they have authority over. They've been given that dominion, given that authority. We need to teach people that so that they build relationships with their world as well as relationships with each other and within themselves. Then Jesus did an interesting thing. He gave the final instruction. The final instruction was, now build a relationship with God. Isn't that interesting that Jesus, that Jesus saw it as the fourth step, not the first? He said, go now and tell them the kingdom of God is near. You see, because they can see it. Oh, you're right. My gosh, I see that I'm worth something. And I'm in great relationships with other people constructive relations with other people and I'm finding that, that in those relationships and in my identity I can affect my world my physical world around me and how does all that happen? It happens because of God who's given us who's given us that authority you meet their needs and then you say by the way let me introduce you to my buddy Jesus because he's the one that made this possible and they're all for it. By that time, by that time, all the barriers are broken down. Are you beginning to see the intricate relationship, the intricate weaving of these terms, reconciliation and relationship? They're, they're one and the same. They cannot be separated. You can't have one without the other. Isaiah 61, quoted by Jesus in Luke 19, is the good news. It is that God has reconciled the world to himself. He has restored the right relationship between himself and all of creation. This is evangelism. The word, it, it's, it's synonymous. Now, this isn't totally selfless. Okay? You know, we're talking about giving ourselves and giving ourselves up. 
Um, but the exchange has something coming back to us as well. There's favor for our lives in this as well. In Isaiah 58, if you give yourselves to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, and by the way, one of the, one of the translations says this, if you spend yourself for the hungry. Spend yourself. There's that exchange, remember? If you spend yourself for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will break out like the dawn. Your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of God will be your rear guard. And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will build the ancient ruins, rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of the streets in which to dwell, the reconcilers. We will experience the benefits of poverty alleviation ourselves. Our own financial, social, motivational, and spiritual poverty will be addressed by God himself. Ask any one of the three of these that went with us what their personal experience has been and seeing their own identity, and seeing some of the changes in themselves. And they'll tell you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That is the right standing of his creation and his people. And all these things will be added to you. It's his promise. That's one of those basic things we all memorized in Sunday school. Matthew 6.33. We all know that one. So I'm going to challenge you today. That's a great clock. You know, no matter how long you preach, it's still 25 after 10. That's, a, that's an amazing... We could use that one in Africa. <laughs> I like that one a lot. I'm going to challenge you today. There are some of you in here that are very well-versed and comfortable with personal evangelism. Thank you. Thank you. You're gifted. But I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself, how can you grow and expand in other areas of reconciliation? How can you grow and expand in building those other relationships besides people's relationship with God? Now, in making this challenge, don't forget I'm not lessening any of, any of what you're doing, okay? I'm just getting you to think to expand. There's others of you here who are already strongly equipped to spread the social gospel you're very active in strengthening the, the idea of reaching out into the world and helping, helping people and lifting people up out of their poverty. I'm going to challenge you, how can you strengthen it, that gift that you have, with the building of personal relationships, inviting people into a more intimate relationship, not only with God, but with themselves, not only with nature, but with each other. 
And I'm going to challenge the rest of us who probably aren't much in the Ministry of Reconciliation at all. Linda and I have made every mistake. Actually, we probably haven't. There's probably a whole bunch of them we're still going to make. We've made every mistake in the book when it comes to missions. I, we've, we have. We've done some really dumb things in our lives. But we've learned. Those of you who may not be walking in this ministry of reconciliation at all, maybe you've never even thought of it before. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? This is an invitation for you to begin the most fulfilling activity you can possibly experience. And all beginning with what you already have in your own hand. All beginning with your job. All beginning with your family, your school, your neighborhood, your, your, it does, your friends. It all begins with what you've already got. It all begins with your own personality, your own character, your own talents, your own knowledge. It all begins with your own passions. So my challenge to you and the way that we can end this is to just take just a brief moment first to just ask God, where do you want me to go with this, this ministry of reconciliation? God, you gave it to me. You yourself gave me the ministry of reconciliation. How am I stewarding that? How am I doing, Lord? And then to turn to somebody and say, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'd like, this is where I'd like to grow. This is what I'd like to do. So let me just pray a prayer over you and then break up in these small groups. Father, I thank you for each one of us here today who is beginning to understand or maybe have already understood this ministry of reconciliation. That you have placed us in right standing with you, right relationship with you, in righteousness with you in Christ. And you have asked us to do the same with those around us. To do the same with your creation. Father, I speak right now into every person who's hearing this a new understanding, a new sensitivity to your voice in our lives as we move out from, from this wonderful place into what we do next in an hour from now, or two hours from now, next week, next month, what we do in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. I ask you, Lord, to awaken in us a new excitement about working with you about being hand in hand with you, arm in arm with you in this ministry of reconciliation. It is you that reconciles everyone to yourself. But you have given us the word of reconciliation. You've given us the challenge to draw people into better and better and better relationships with ourselves, with each other, with you, 
and with your creation. So go forth from this place knowing that you are ministers of reconciliation, knowing that you carry the word of reconciliation in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as we get ready for communion, begin that silent question, asking yourself, God, what is it that you want me to learn? So, Father, you sent your son Jesus And he gave himself, he spent himself for us. And this bread and this blood, this wine, which you have, thank you, I'm going to take one of these. Which you have shared with your disciples and share with us. You have given us as a way to reconcile. You can go ahead and pass them out. And when he spoke to his disciples during a meal, during a relationship, when you get this, just hold it for a second. Just hold on to it, the elements, the bread and the... He was sharing a relationship, sharing a meal with his disciples. And he took bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Broken for you, spent for you, given in exchange for you. And as you do this, do it in memory of me. As you do what? Break bread? Yes. But as you break your bodies, as you give yourselves, do it in memory of me. And then he took the wine, and in the same way he blessed it. And he said, this wine represents the blood of the new covenant, the new way, the new way of interacting, the new way of giving yourself And as you partake of this, do this also in remembrance of me and in remembrance of the ministry that I have and the remembrance of the ministry that I have given you. The ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of relationship. So now all of us take and eat. take and drink. And the next major events recorded in the Gospels were around Christ's exchange. 
Ask yourself now, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, how would you have me carry out this message of reconciliation, this remembrance of you? Amen.